0: The following podcast is a production of the Austin Radio Network. This is the only sports podcast in America that can throw a tight spiral, guard the perimeter, and always has its head on a swivel. Welcome to the Full Sports Monty with
1: your host, Monty Williams. Hello and welcome to the Full Sports Monty. I'm Monty Williams. I'm your host. Thank you. To the U.S. Naval Academy midshipman and voice of the brigade, Nicholas Hayek, for bringing us in on the intro. You know, we're a relatively new podcast, and we always thought when we talked about it, Dylan Fry, my producer, and I discussed the format and how we would uh, put the podcast together. We always thought it would be kind of an evergreen format, meaning things that would be relevant today and timely today would also work a month from now. Or a, or a year to now. So, you know, if you're thinking about expiration dates and food, think of beef jerky or Slim Jims. I found a Slim Jim in my uh, toolbox in my garage that uh, had a label of 1988, and I ate it last week and I felt fine. So, that's what that's the definition of shelf life. Anyway, uh, but sometimes you want sushi. Sometimes you want something absolutely fresh, something you can't put in your trunk and go next Tuesday, oh yeah, I have lunch. This is something that's very time-sensitive, but its advantage is it's very, very up to the minute. And so that's what we're doing. For the first time, the Full Sports Monty is going to do its time-sensitive material. Open and read immediately. You've all gotten that in the mail, and that's what we're doing here. This is our first time-sensitive material podcast. And, of course, it's about Kawhi Leonard. What the hell is happening with Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs? I want to call in a really good friend of mine. He used to work at uh, 104.9 FM The Horn. He is a San Antonio-based journalist. He is uh, the content director of Phantom. And if you're not familiar with Phantom, by the way, that's with an F, not a PH. Phantom is the wave of the future for how uh, sports media is going to be digitally delivered right to your home or mobile device Ari Temkin is my guest hello Ari Monty how are you sir I'm very good Ari is coming to us via Skype he's in San Antonio Ari go back to the third quarter of that first playoff game more than a year ago when the Spurs were up I think by more than 20 against the Warriors in Oracle and then Kawhi Leonard gets hurt Kind of give us the the short story of what has happened since then. <laughs> the short story? <laughs> <laughs> um, pitch, I
0: mean, pitch it's, it like it's... you were pitch it like you were selling a movie. Let's put it <laughs> that way. Uh, I don't know that you could make it compelling enough to to sell Hollywood. I mean, it I I could I could introduce like Jar Jar Binks and you know different other components to it, but I, I mean, look. The truth of the matter here is that that Kawhi Leonard at some point felt like he was getting bad uh, medical advice from the Spurs medical department. Uh, he went rogue, as it were, um, sought his own medical team, and and at some point throughout the course of this regular season sort of removed himself from the team dynamic with the San Antonio Spurs, so much so that Greg Popovich basically called him out publicly because he was so upset that, that Kawhi had removed himself as he had from the team. And um, I mean, I I don't know if there's any better way to put it in short form than, you know, Kawhi Leonard got paid 21 million bucks last year to play in nine games and completely removed himself from the team dynamic. I'm all about a player and an athlete doing what's in their own best self interest. I think human beings should do in any given point what's in their own best self interest. But I also think that there's a way to do things and, and you know, way to, Um, handle these types of situations. And and I don't think that Kawhi Leonard handled this situation uh, in particular very well. He he completely removed himself from the team, the team dynamic in an organization that has, you know, for the last at least two decades, put always put, you know, uh, uh, team dynamic before self dynamic.
1: For want of a better term, did he come to this decision himself to the folks you've talked to did somebody approach him and say, "You better get a second opinion," or did he physically feel like what the doctors for the Spurs are telling me and what I feel on my own are two different things?
0: Exactly, you know what what he was being told, which was right quadriceps tendinopathy, um, which is basically you know a lingering issue that the more you play, the more you you know you 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 use your muscles, your quadriceps in this in this instance you know, the the more fatigue and strain you're going to put on that muscle. So it was basically a rehab of rest. And, you know, when you feel better, start to, you know, start to play. And yeah, I mean, I guess it, he, he felt like that was not the case, that that was inaccurate, that that wasn't a, a true representation of what he was dealing with. And um, so he, he sought a second medical opinion, um, which within the CBA, the Spurs obviously have to uh, allow him to do, but also have to pay for it. Um, oh, I didn't know sec- that. They have to pay for it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what that's written in the CBA um, uh, with the players union that they have to not only allow it, but but pay for um, him to seek a second opinion, which which makes sense because obviously team doctors, it's can be a conflict of interest. So they they give the players the ability to seek additional opinions uh, outside of, of, you know, the Spurs purview. And it's what he did. Um, and though it seems to be that He's maintained you know, as his uncle has, as his agent has, and you're not really sure where the messaging is coming from because it's just being leaked out from his camp, but that that he felt like, well, the Spurs maintained a level of control over that rehab, even though it was changed over to new doctors, and and I think the Spurs uh, begged to disagree on that front. Before we get into
1: the, the, the leaks, the myriad leaks coming not only from Kawhi's camp, but from the Spurs, from the Lakers, from the Sixers, I mean, it's become quite the quite the media event. And, of course, the fact that he's still under contract to the Spurs means this could go on at least for the next couple of days or possibly weeks, possibly as long as a year. What is a sports journalist? How do you approach that? How do you approach so many things being told? And you're, a, you know, you you along with, I think, probably Mike Finger and uh, Jeff Montgomery are the two guys. Is it Jeff Montgomery? Who's the? McDonald. Jeff McDonald. Jeff McDonald. Jeff McDonald, Mike Finger, and you are the guys who really have your finger. No, no uh, pun intended for the <laughs> journalist. But you have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with the Spurs. How do you arrive at what you think is the best information you're getting?
0: Well, it's a great point, Monty, and, and it, it kind of comes down to the messenger. In this case, you know, it's a 27 year old you know budding NBA so- superstar that wants no part of the media, wants no part of speaking publicly. I mean, it's just insane to me that here's a guy that's had controversy surrounding him for the better part of the last 10 months, and he's spoken publicly twice in those 10 in that 10 month period. So, I mean, you basically have a story now where all this controversy surrounding him and it's all, you know, depending on where you're hearing it from, either coming from the Spurs leaking the information or from Kawhi's camp. And again, all these Spurs fans are saying, well, we haven't heard him say this. Well, he's not going to, he doesn't, he doesn't speak publicly. He doesn't want to. So, you know, and, and David Robinson said this and I mean, if you'd like a good indication of if Kawhi Leonard will ever play for the Spurs again, I mean, once David Robinson kind of criticizes you, it's probably over. But, I mean, you know, he he questioned whether or not that guy could be the face of a franchise. When you talk about star players and a $219 million Supermax contract that could pay him $50 million in the final year of the contract, I mean, it's more than just being a basketball player. There there are so many other components that go along with that. And uh, speaking publicly, wanting to speak publicly, you know, wanting to... Uh, be the face of the franchise from the public relations standpoint. Like These are all components of it. And, you know, look, I, this isn't the first time that Kawhi's sort of passivity has been a, uh, a, a, a topic of conversation. You know, I criticized Kawhi when he didn't uh, go out and recruit Kevin Durant a few years ago uh, when Durant was a free agent. I thought that, that was a huge component of why Durant decided to go to Golden State. So I, this isn't, you know, it's not like this is just a one-off situation with Kawhi and he's just caught in the – you know, he's just caught in the crossfire of a bizarre circumstance. Like he seems to be in a situation in many ways, Monty, that that is sort of based on his personality in a sense that he's he is passive, but he's he's got very strong opinions on certain things. But he doesn't want to speak publicly on them. He's afraid to speak publicly on them or even to bring them up within a a private setting. But even, you know, to speak, uh, 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 you know, and, and be direct about certain things. And, you know, look, if if the Philadelphia 76ers gave up meaningful pieces to acquire Kawhi Leonard, if the Los Angeles Lakers gave up meaningful pieces to acquire Kawhi Leonard and he did this, those cities, those fans would eat him alive. So it, it always made sense to me that he fits so well with the Spurs from so many different standpoints, but 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 certainly maybe none more so than. He just doesn't want to speak publicly in any capacity ever. Now, let me, and, let me interrupt you right now and sure, say that sure. if,
1: I, if I start talking about a player, a very gifted player, a, a player who comes to a small franchise like the Spurs, works really hard, works specifically on their weaknesses in their game, I could be talking about Tim Duncan. Isn't that true? I mean, it, it is, what's, what's the difference between somebody who's very quiet and reticent to speak to the media like Tim Duncan
0: and Kawhi Leonard. There are definitely similarities, but I think there's a major difference in the being the face of the franchise. And and certainly Monty, I agree. Tim Tim Duncan came into that role. You know, he didn't. He wasn't drafted with that role, but he came into it. But he still did come into it. And you know, I mean, if you think about the end of the David Robinson era, the beginning of the Tim Duncan era. Um, though he was reticent to speak with the media, he did so uh, way more so and willingly than Kawhi Leonard did and does. And, I mean, I also think it's a new era. It's a different era. It's, it, it commands a different type of attention. And to and- be fair
1: with Tim Duncan, I mean, he was coming in as the number 1 draft choice and the NCAA Player of the Year. So he wasn't like Kawhi, who didn't really have much attention. He was already already having to handle an enormous amount of media attention.
0: Yeah. And, and look, I mean, you're right. There are definitely similarities within, you know, their personalities. And I think that's what seduced lots of Spurs fans to Kawhi Leonard was that, that it just seemed like he was perfect for them. He was this next iteration of Tim Duncan and, you know, soft-spoken mega superstar. And I think what we've seen in the year plus year and a half plus since Tim Duncan retired is basically the antithesis of, of Tim Duncan and, Maybe no better example of of Tim Duncan's unbelievable transcendent greatness and and how much it permeated through this organization and how much it meant for this organization than what we've seen play out for the last 10 months at the San Antonio Spurs.
1: Okay, so that's how I'd pitch the movie, is here is the king. The king is retiring. The heir apparent to the king comes in and is a distinct disappointment. That's all you need to say. They'll buy that movie right on the (laughs) – they'll buy it in the room, as they say. (laughs) <laughs> but but okay, well what do you think is going to happen? I mean, you you know more none of us have an idea what's going on with these negotiations and everything. And before I get to Pop and Pops life personally this last year, what what do you think might happen? I mean, who who does he go to?
0: Yeah, you know, what's what I find to be so interesting is, you know, I I kind of always assumed it was a foregone conclusion that the Spurs would offer him the Supermax, you know, which is basically 35% of the salary cap, which I think works out to 219 million, whatever it is, is the number's been, um, and you know that that isn't the case. The Spurs are not offering him the supermax. They have not offered him the supermax and have no intention to do so. I think, you know, I think given the same circumstance, literally 29 other teams would offer him the supermax, and the Spurs are the one exception to it because, well, I think rightfully so because one. They don't want to deal with Kawhi's uncle anymore, Uncle Dennis. They want to deal with an actual agent. They they, they they attribute a lot of the miscommunication between the two sides to Uncle Dennis and and him not being completely forthright with everything that's been going on throughout his rehab and on and on and on. And, you know, they also aren't entirely sure of how he's going to return with the quadriceps. And, you know, is he is he back to being 100 percent? So, you know, I, a couple of weeks ago when news sort of leaked out that Kawhi Leonard wanted out of San Antonio to me, that was the reaction of Kawhi to meeting with Greg Popovich and Pop saying, not only are we not going to offer you the Supermax, we also want you to fire your uncle as your agent. And we need to ha- we need you to be working with an actual agent. And until you're willing to do both of those, you know, until you're willing to do that, then we could talk about do, hire, having a a Supermax. And from Kawhi's vantage point, I think he went to those negotiations thinking he was going to basically be deciding between accepting the Supermax from the Spurs or wanting to play elsewhere. So. You know, he got frustrated, I think, because the, the Spurs brought some humongous balls to that meeting. By that basically was in L.A., that.
1: right? That meeting was in L.A.
0: Yes, yes. And I think I think they had some preliminary discussions which centered on the same thing. And I think, you know, that perhaps uh, Kawhi felt like, well, maybe when I meet with Pop, you know, straight up, it'll be a little bit different. And it wasn't. And, you know, it's, it's – Monty, it makes sense. I mean, it, it really does. You know, again – This is, this is a six, this is essentially six years from now will be the last year of the deal and they'd be paying him $50 million. So it's a contract to supermax that escalates every single year, escalates up to 50 million in the final year of the deal. So if you've got a guy that one, you you don't really know where he's at mentally because you're, you're, you basically spent the entire last year hearing about him through his uncle. So you don't really, you don't have good communication with him because he's not a great communicator. And his uncle's clearly not a good communicator. His un- uncle's controlling the message. And, oh, and by the way, you're still a little concerned about this quadriceps injury. He didn't have surgery, and he's he he played in nine games the entire season. So that's got to be problematic, too. It's the most games I've ever heard of a player missing not coming off of surgery. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a surprise to me that the Spurs wouldn't offer him the Supermax because I think, again, given the same circumstance, literally 29 other teams would – but I also see legitimacy in not offering him the Supermax based on those legitimate concerns. What
1: kind of year has pop had? And I mean, you know, Popovich has his own brand. The Spurs certainly have a brand that I would have called impeccable up to this year. And, and it may still be completely intact and impeccable to those who know this story. Well, but to those who listen to sports radio, casually pop has been a bully. The Spurs have blown this, why is a is a nice guy who's never had any problems, never had any coaching problems, played for a modest program, came to the Spurs, worked on things, and it didn't work out. And the Spurs have badly fumbled this. Uh, you, whether or not somebody comes to that conclusion or some other conclusion, this has really damaged the Spurs brand or brand reputation and pops as well. Is that true?
0: You know, it's hard. For me to remove myself from the things, the perceptions, and the the, the biases that I have towards the Spurs, so t- t- to truly answer that question, I mean, sure, I think in some respects, you know, it's 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 hard to not think of them differently after this, um, you know, and 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 I, I certainly think that there are legitimate criticisms for the way the Spurs have handled this situation throughout the course of the year, um, you know, I, I think when you talk about deferring ego, you know, not letting ego get in the way of what's in the best interest of the franchise. That's always been sort of the operating ethos of the Spurs. And, you know, when, when you have uncle Dennis and his agent and Kawhi questioning the motives uh, of the, you know, the, the Spurs medical staff, you sort of have this egos to the Spurs saying, who are you to question us? We're the Spurs. So I, I, I certainly think, there's a legitimacy in criticizing some of the ways in which this thing has been handled. But Monty, I think there's so much of this just goes back to, you know, Kawhi. I think that there are always reservations about Kawhi being in San Antonio long term. You know, even though we heard those rumblings, I thought, you know, based on the perception that Kawhi has created within San Antonio, not being very savvy within the media, not wanting to deal with the media, those kinds of things. I just never bought that. He wanted to go back to LA because it, it didn't really fit the person that he is. And it didn't make any sense. Um, you know, I, 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 what I find to be maybe the most intriguing aspect, and we've sort of touched on this a little bit, but, you know, I've often called Tim Duncan, T- Tim Duncan to me is one of the five greatest players in the history of the game. I and agree. I agree, by the way, completely agree. And, and, you know, you, when you statistically, you look at him and he, it's not, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to put him in that category, statistically
1: speaking. Not when you count defense. I mean, I'm not when you count defense, as far as a complete player, I'm right with you. I think he's one of the five greatest players who's ever played the game.
0: But and the reason, and I mean, you're right about defense, but the reason for me, Monty is that he's the greatest teammate in the history of the game. And perhaps the greatest teammate in the history of modern sports. Like he is, Tim Duncan is selfless, not just for a professional athlete, but for, for a human being, human beings, aren't that selfless. And so I mean he created this insane environment in San Antonio that was impervious, you know, shielded for the the selfish modern athlete. I, and and I hate to say that because pe- everybody's selfish, people are selfish and and that's fine. But he just he he created this environment at San Antonio that that was so unique in modern sports that everybody fell in line, everybody acted within the best interest for the team. And that he was the you know, he was the the leader of all of this. He that, that Pop, you know, Pop was certainly instrumental in creating that environment, but without Tim Duncan there to personify it, it doesn't work. You know, it, it only it only works because there's Tim taking less money, taking less shots, taking less of the attention. So Tony Parker comes, and now he sees that that's the example. So he follows the same lead because this guy is a once-in-a-generational talent who has certainly the chops to have an unbelievable ego, and then he defers the ego, takes less money, takes less attention, less acclaim, wants less star power, wants less, 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 and less to be a great teammate for everybody else. Ginobili, I mean, it's it's the stories for players that came into the Spurs organization and from the start understood that everything that they were doing went back to Tim and that Tim set the tone and the example of personifying that ethos of selflessness and, and for it to basically unravel a year and a half after he is there with the, with the way this story has gone down. I mean, it's just this incredible juxtaposition of, you know, what, what made Tim great, what made him, you know, transcendent in the league and how, you know, now the Spurs are operating on the same plane as everybody else.
1: So your supposition is, if Duncan were four years younger and was still around, this might not have happened? It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. No way. Wow.
0: That's exactly what I'm saying.
1: You know, because everybody said, uh, when I say everybody, I mean the, the 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 lineup of famous or infamous sports uh hosts on radio, all said Popovich put Tony Parker up to criticizing uh, Kawhi publicly, and I think Mike Finger did a story in the Express News that says, well, that one quote is really bad, but when you take that quote out of context, it sounds a lot worse than it was, and I believe his, uh, his opinion was that that was not something scripted and orchestrated by Popovich.
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily buy the, that either, that Pop put them up to it. I mean, I know how much, you know, Pop controls the narrative. He controls, you know, the PR aspect of the Spurs. But I also think that there were parts of Tony Parker that certainly spoke out of turn at times throughout this year. And look, this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. I mean, imagine being Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili, in that locker room. You know, imagine being there for the, the highest highs of that organization and knowing that – You know, Tony Parker could have been a humongous star. He could have made so much more money than he's made. He could have scored so many more points or had so many more assists or played so many more minutes, but he gave it all up to play with the Spurs. Like that's, that's the truth. Same with Ginobili. Ginobili in the prime of his career came off the bench for the, for the betterment of the Spurs people in Argentina, the country of Argentina was beside itself because here's this guy who, how dare this guy take the greatest player in the country's history in basketball and bring him off the bench. I mean, these are things that these guys had to do for the sake of the franchise. So they're looking at Kawhi Leonard like, are you crazy? what are you doing? This isn't how we operate. Do you know the things that we've done over the course of our careers that we didn't want to do but we did because we wanted to win and because we had to do it because Tim Duncan was here. So I, I completely sympathize with the frustrations of Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. I completely sympathize, but also to sympathize to a certain degree to Kawhi Leonard. He's like, I don't care. I don't care what you guys used to do, how this thing used to go. That's not how it's going to be today. And so, I mean, Kawhi, you know, Monty Ginobili, Tony Parker, they, they make those comments because they're frustrated because of all the things that they did over the course of their careers, all the things that they gave up for the sake of the Spurs, for the sake of Tim Duncan, for Greg Popovich, for this organization for winning. They weren't seeing Kawhi Leonard do that. And, and you know, with all that being said, you know, this goes back to the miscommunication part too, Monty. You know, the Spurs had a, had a firm date on when he was coming back. You know, the, months ago, you might recall Lisa Salter's put out a report that said Kawhi Leonard will return on this date. And that was a date that I've been told the Spurs were told by Kawhi Leonard, he is going to come back on this date. And that's why it was reported. And so when he didn't come back on that date, that's when Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker were like, what's the deal, dude? Are you going to play this year? Because we all thought that this was the date you were going to be coming back. And, you know, and then obviously a, a couple of days later, Tony Parker made the comments about the quadriceps injury and his was worse. And and basically that was, at that point, my, uh, Kawhi Leonard, who was already in New York rehabbing for a brief period of time or for a period of time throughout the season, uh, he came back after Pop was like, come back home, come be with us, come be with your team. And then when Tony Parker made that, inju- made, made, made that comment about his injury and how he came back quicker, then he left the team for good for the season.
1: And when you think of what was going on in the Western Conference final, I mean, uh, in the Western Conference during the regular season this year, the Spurs were battling. It was considered to be one of Popovich's greatest coaching jobs that he was doing it without Kawhi you know, in the middle part of the season and that Duncan had been long gone, and they were still battling. And obviously, Utah was much improved. The Warriors were just as good as they'd ever been. Houston was a real force. And yet the Spurs, I think they finished, uh, if, if, if for three games in the season, they would have been the three seed. Isn't that right?
0: Yeah, they were. I mean, the, the difference between basically the three seed and being out of the playoffs was like a separation of three or four games. They ended up the seven seed. Uh, uh, they won, what, 48 games in the regular season, two shy of 50, which they've done for basically two decades, um, which is incredible. Um, yeah, Monty, I, I, I think, you know, it's it's hard to pinpoint which is the most impressive coaching season for uh, for a guy that, in my opinion, is the greatest coach in the history of pro sports. He he's
1: certainly had a tragic ending with his wife passing you know, right at the end of the, right at the end of the year. And, and, uh, I don't, uh, Spurs are really, it's really tough to know where they're headed from here. Is that true?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, this is absolutely uncharted water and uncharted territory for this organization that, you know, again, has been sort of immune to this kind of stuff, you know, and in, and throughout their history, especially recent history. But I mean, you go back and look at the, you know, last 10 drafts in the NBA. I mean, they're, they are just so good at finding talent, unearthing talent deep in the draft. Um, They're so good at player acquisition, player development. You know, everybody thought after they lost in the first round uh, as a one seed to Memphis in 2011 that they should just blow it up and start over. They didn't. You know, they added a few pieces here, a Boris Diaw, a Danny Green, and then all of a sudden a window opens up for them again in 2013, 2014. So, you know, I, I think the Spurs have proven that this idea that you have to bottom out in order to build it back up again is not true, is... You know, just stay relevant, stay, you know, stay quality, stay in the playoff race, you know, keep yourself in contention for meetings for free agents, keep drafting well and developing players well. And, you know, you're going to continue to to try to have uh, windows and openings for championships. I think, you know, the 2013 Spurs that lost in seven games to the Miami Heat and the 2014 Spurs that won a championship are this great triumphant a uh, uh, story to all of the idea or the notion that you have to bottom out in order to rebuild. They didn't. Everybody thought they needed to rebuild and bottom out in 2011 and they didn't. They just added a few piece every couple of years. They just improved here, improved a little bit there and they opened up another championship window for themselves. And I think when you look at, you know, the backdrop of the current landscape of the NBA, yeah, I mean, their team doesn't stack up well with, with golden state or with Houston or with the Lakers, at least right now, but those windows don't last forever. And, you know, as long as the Spurs remain relevant, they keep drafting well, they keep developing players well, they're going to have more great talent. And then they're going to put themselves in position to get, you know, more free agent meetings. And, and, you know, we're so myopic in sports as sports fans. And we think, you know, with this Kawhi Leonard thing, this is such a horrible thing to happen to the Spurs. And, you know, they'll never be, able, never be able to overcome it. And I think there's a lot of organizations that wouldn't. But the Spurs are. I mean, they the, the basic fact that they're unwilling to meet this guy and say, we're going to, you know, keep Uncle Dennis as your guy. We're fine not having the communication that we need. Oh, and by the way, here's a Supermax. Like, the fact that they're unwilling to do that shows you the kind of confidence they have in their ability to still be fine despite the major questions surrounding Kawhi Leonard's future with the San Antonio Spurs.
1: I'm going to ask you for two predictions. First, where does Kawhi end up?
0: I find it hard to believe that an Eastern Conference team isn't gonna isn't gonna make a play for him. So I'm just gonna jump up and say that Philadelphia makes a push for him at some point. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll my my grass bigot straws will be Philadelphia. Okay.
1: Is Becky Hammond in line to be the head coach after Pop?
0: That's a great question. No. Well, that's Shouldn't certainly be. a one-word answer. So it, it, she just got promoted to the front bench, you know, so she if in the Spurs parlance of assistant coaches, there's the main assistants that are on the main bench with the team. And then there's the other assistants, the lesser assistants that basically are on the second row of the bench. So this upcoming season will be her first time on the front row. Um, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Vittorio Messina, uh, who is a championship level head coach. You know, he's he's Italian born. He took over a, for pop went last year. Yeah, pop he played, he is yeah. there. He's there. Se- here's he's their main assistant coach. He's the second in command to pop. He is a, a championship level head coach in Europe. You know, he coached Manu Ginobili in Spain uh, through some some EuroLeague championships when Ginobili was playing in, in Europe. Um, and he just he's cut from the same cloth as pop. He's not he's not a copycat. You know, he's a deep thinker. He, he's, he's, he's got great leadership characteristics when it comes to, you know, understanding leadership and how to, you know, how to inspire, how to motivate those kinds of things. You know, so he's, he is certainly a deep thinker outside the box thinker. I think he's got the leadership pieces that pop does so well. And, you know, schematically, I think he's also very much in tune with the current landscape of the NBA. Uh, you know, I'm surprised that Torrey Messina hasn't been hired yet by another team. And, you know, I, I there were times at, at, at different points throughout this offseason that I thought that maybe Pop will if they trade Kawhi, maybe Pop will look at, at, at stepping aside, too. And maybe that will be a good, um, you know, transition point for Tori Messina. Look, I think Becky Hammond is is fantastic uh, a coach. I think she certainly is set up to become the first female head coach in male professional sports. But, you know, I think there's also the notion of paying your dues, of, of not just getting a job because you know, to, 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 to break history, but to get a job because you're the right person for it. And, you know, the Spurs hired Becky Hammond because she was the right person at that time, not because they would be breaking down barriers. And I think, you know, certainly in the case of a Tori Messina or Becky Hammond, if I were running the Spurs, my choice would be a Tori Messina. But with that being said, I, I think that again, Becky Hammond is certainly on track to become the first female head coach in male professional sports. Tell the listeners how they can see you
1: on Phantom and how they can uh, see you stream online, and uh, talk a little bit. I understand there is a change in the offing. You are going from a basically a one sport town to a four sport town. I think that's a fair <laughs> fair description of it. Tell us a little bit yeah. about Phantom and no. then your plans.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm moving to Dallas, um, so I'll be be up in Dallas working with uh, the great radio station 105.3 The Fan. Doing some work with them. Very excited about that. And then also pursuing Phantom, the new world order of sports media. um, Delivering live sports content, digital. I stream every day uh, at noon central. Uh, Go to facebook.com forward slash watch Phantom. And Monty, as you pointed out, it's F-A-N-T-O-M. And that's facebook.com forward slash watch Phantom. And, of course, they can also follow me on Twitter where they can get all this information at R-E-Sports, A-R-I-Sports.
1: Now, you know, anytime you describe something as the New World Order, that's going to frighten the hell out
0: of a lot of people. You know that, right? Maybe I'm doing that on purpose.
1: (laughs) Well, congratulations. I mean, it's a great platform. I've come on. I've I've seen you do your work uh, at noon. I'm excited about the move to uh, the fan in Dallas. I'm excited to see your work when you're in a town with – what is arguably the greatest pro sports franchise in history, the Cowboys, and then besides that, you've got a pro baseball team, a pro hockey team, and a pro basketball team. I want to see you in that, Malou. I think you're going to have a great
0: time. I appreciate that very much, and yeah, there is there's no better way to describe the Cowboys than God's gift to sports talk radio. So yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, they really are.
1: are, and Jerry Jones is largely responsible for that. That's <laughs> true. No, they really are. They keep they keep everyone in business. No question.
0: And they're the you know they're the golden goose of the NFL and the NFL is the golden goose of pro sports. So I mean they are, you know they are the high, they're the highest valuation of any pro sports franchise in the world. Um, and their valuation probably doesn't even come close to the truth as far as if Jerry Jones decided to sell the Cowboys, which he never would, but if he did, I mean they'd go for what ten billion dollars at least, at yeah. least ten billion dollars.
1: No, I mean his his. The, the way he's expanded the net worth of that franchise is just incredible. Like or dislike Jerry Jones, no one can argue that he has added such value to that franchise as to be almost immeasurable. Hey, Ari, yeah. thank you very much for coming on. Once you get up to Dallas, man, I'm going to call you. We're going to get you on again, and you can tell us about whatever we need to know from the Metroplex.
0: I appreciate that very, very well, Monty. Appreciate you very much.
1: All right, all right. Ari Timken is a great guy, and good luck to Ari. And uh, that's it for the Full Sports Monty, Episode 4. It is dated material, open immediately, and I would like to have the voice of the brigade, Nick, take us out. You've been listening to the Full Sports Monty with your host, Monty Williams. The Full Sports Monty is a production of the Austin Radio Network.